Well, thank you all so much for that. That was wonderful. Singers, thank you so much for your commitment, and the performance is just terrific. Thank you. Love we can't fathom. Folks, I just want to read a couple verses from you here, from uh, three verses actually, from Luke 24, verses 1 through 3. Luke 24, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it to you here. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, it is true in that morning, the morning of Jesus' resurrection, it produced much excitement. And with that excitement came chaos as well. Chaos followed. People were running to and fro. They were running to the tomb back and forth, and they were running in different directions at different times and visiting the tomb at different times. And some groups stayed together and others separated to tell of what they'd witnessed, to tell what they have seen. All four Gospels present this resurrection event to us. However, they don't exhaust the narrative. They don't go into great detail, each of these books, each of these Gospels. They don't necessarily tell us every single detail, but why it may be tough to piece these together, they do harmonize. They harmonize and they present a full account of that exciting and fearful resurrection morning. All four gospel accounts connect together to, together to give us a, a big picture, if you will, of what was really, really happening. Luke tells us that when they arrived, when these women had arrived, the stone was rolled away. It's scripture. But it's interesting. Was the stone rolled away to let Jesus out? Or was the stone rolled away so that we could see in? That's the question. Let's face facts here, though. The question on the women's mind as they raced to this tomb was, how are we going to move this gigantic, heavy stone? How are we going to move it? As they were running, as they were heading towards that tomb early this morning, how are we going to move it? I'm certain that the guards there were not going to help this small group of mourning Jewish women move this stone. So that was the question. But upon their arrival, it was already open. The seal was broken. You have to understand when the tomb is sealed, uh, they wanted to make sure no one tampered with his body, so they put a rope binding that stone and on each side, they would pack it with clay and put that Roman seal, make sure it wasn't tampered with. But it had been. The stone was rolled away. The seal was broken. And, yeah, Jesus did not need the stone rolled away to get out. This stone was rolled away so these can look in. Jesus Christ was not there. They could not find Jesus. The finding of his body, folks, the finding of his body or not finding his body would make or uh, break the Christian faith. It would make or break the Christian faith. And here's what I mean. Had they found the body, why in the world would we be celebrating this morning? Had they found the body, why would we be meeting together to worship somebody who wasn't who they said they were? Why are we wasting this time in calling this book our authority? Paul said we should be pitied. If, if Christ wasn't raised, we should be pitied the most. Why? 
But the fact that they could not find Jesus is the reason you and I are found in Jesus. Amen to that. Thank you, guys. Here it is. Every claim he made about himself was true. Everything he said he was going to do, he did. They could not find Jesus. Folks, this was real. The Christian faith was now real. I would like to explain a couple theories out there. Not a couple. I just fibbed. I'm going to tell you quite a few theories real quick that explain why the tomb they think was occupied. And then when they couldn't do that, when that wouldn't work, they're going to, I'm going to explain to you what they were calling uh, or explaining why it was unoccupied, why Jesus wasn't there. Did you know there's theories out there that Jesus had a twin brother? Yes, Mary laid babies in a manger. We know that's not true. We know the dynamic of his family. Jesus had half-brothers and sisters through Joseph and Mary. Jesus did not have a twin. That is a theory. That's why you saw the resurrected Jesus. He was actually in the tomb. There's his twin brother. No. What about this one? The ladies went to an unknown tomb, or they went to the wrong tomb. Okay, this was Joseph, uh, Joseph of Marathia's tomb. He had cut it out for him and his family, okay? And not only that, Nicodemus was there. And now these were rich men, folks. They, had, they would have had servants there. And then, of course, the guard knew right where the tomb was. And the Bible tells us the women stood at a distance, but they knew right where it was. I'm going to tell you, if you bury treasure and you want to come back to find that treasure, I guarantee you memorize the landmarks around that treasure. And that's what they did. They knew exactly where this tomb is. So that's out the door. It was just a spiritual resurrection, existential. No, there was no body. That one's out. It's a legend. Jesus is a myth. It's a wonderful legend, but it's not true. It's just so people have hope. Well, unfortunately, there's too much historical documentation for this to be legend. There is more documentation for the life of Jesus Christ than you sitting here today. Okay? So we have to throw that out there. Legend is gone. Here's my favorite. They were hallucinating. Now, I'll give you this. Put you in a controlled room. One, two. You know what? I'll give you three people. I'll give you three people. A controlled substance is let out in that room, and maybe the three of you have the same hallucination. You know that's not going to happen, but I'll give you three people. Now, tell me how 500-plus eyewitness accounts over 40 days in all different geographic locations, mostly outdoors, suffered the very same hallucination. If you can explain that, I'll buy whatever you're selling. Can't be. Okay, so then we figured out the tomb, the occupation of the tomb is out. We can't fight that. Let's, let's come up with something to deny that the tomb was empty. What can we say? I'm not even going to go over the Passover plot. The Passover plot's a joke. It's, he was just faking it. It was a mock thing until the soldier stabbed him, and then he died a couple days later. We're not even going to address that. I want to get to the three biggies that claim that Jesus did not rise bodily, that he did not uh, he was not part of this wonderful resurrection day that he was in the tomb or that somebody had taken him. The swoon theory, if you've ever heard this. Guys, Jesus was up on the cross and he passed out. He passed out from the pain. He was just unconscious. And they put him in this dark, dark tomb, rolled the stone, and, and put him on a cold, hard stone slab. And three days later, he was fine. <laughs> he was fine. He got up and actually he moved the stone and he left. Let me explain what happened to Jesus Christ. Not only was he punched and beaten, 
Folks, his flesh was torn open in the back. There were vital organs that could be exposed. Tissue damage was done. There was uh, something that's called hypovolemic shock. Because when they pierced Jesus, you got to understand, Sabbath was coming. we got to get these guys off the cross to break their legs. And they did. They broke the thieves' legs. Jesus they left alone, which is prophecy. They didn't break anything because he was already dead. They thrust a spear into his side, and blood and water came out. Well, the reason the water came out is there was these sacks of water around the lung and the heart because he had already died. This is what formed. So when they pierced him, didn't say he flinched. Didn't say, he didn't say ouch. No, he was already dead. So I played kickball with the youth group two weeks ago, and I can tell you, after that Wednesday night, Thursday and Friday morning, it was hard for me to get up. I felt everything from that kickball game. Now you tell me how someone is, and by the way, anybody worth their weight in the medical field, medical examiners, examiners and doctors, they'll tell you, no one could have lived through this. No one could have lived through this. So the swoon theory is out. So you know what they say then? They say they were taken by the, he was taken by the authorities. Now ask me, or tell me this, as I ask you this question. Why would the authorities help this cause? Why would they continue to contribute this fraud, this deception? Why would the authorities want to take the body of Jesus? It would only help him. The authorities had set a guard at the tomb. The authorities would rather display Jesus' corpse on a corner saying, here's your Messiah, Here's your king of the Jews to mock and make fun, just like they had been doing this whole crucifixion. The authorities didn't take Jesus' body. They would have displayed Jesus' body. So then the Bible tells us the guards, <laughs> the guards went to these leaders and said, listen, we saw exactly what happened. And they were bribed. They were paid to say another story. And what was that famous story? It's in Scripture. Some of the Jews still believe it to this day. The story is the disciples stole the body. We can't, we can't fight you on an occupied tomb. You win. So we're going to fight you on an unoccupied tomb, and here's why it is you stole the body. Okay. Here's the problem with disciples stealing the body of Jesus. They were terrified. Do you recall the women running to the tomb? The first thing, this glorious morning, they weren't going to see an alive Jesus Alive and kicking, they were going to prepare a man for burial. They all thought he was dead. They didn't remember what he taught. In fact, when the women came back and told the other disciples, they still didn't believe them. They said it can't be. They thought it was like a fairy tale. They didn't remember what Jesus taught. So they were going to bury him in. Now, these other disciples, folks, they were behind closed doors. They were behind locked doors. They were scared of the same thing happening to them. This was new. It was terrifying. That's why that morning, Scripture tells us, not only was it joyful, it was fearful. We don't know what's going on. Where is Jesus? Here's the reason the disciples couldn't have stole Jesus' body. There was such a great change from being terrified and hiding, and then all of a sudden, this resurrection account, 500 plus witnesses, eyewitnesses over 40 days seeing the risen Lord. And then all of a sudden, the disciples, well, they come back out in public. In fact, they get a little bit louder. They're more vibrant. They're more courageous. Now they're preaching and teaching Christ. They still have to go into hiding sometimes, as all Christians did, but now they're preaching and teaching Christ. Folks, you don't die for a lie. 
No one would die for a lie. So you're talking about disciples that later on in their lives, years, Jesus is in heaven. He's ascended. They're splitting up. They're not together as a full group anymore. They're going their own ways to preach and teach, right? And they were, all of them except for John, as far as we know, guess what? They were all martyred. They were all killed for their beliefs. They were all killed for what they taught. You do not die for a lie. The disciples couldn't steal the body. So I got to ask you this. I tend to be a very uh, logical person. The simplest explanation, the most logical explanation for an empty tomb is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There is no other way to explain this. They tried. You know, the greatest influencer of this world, since social media has all these crazy influencers, I don't get that at all, but the greatest influencer is Satan. He wants you to believe the lie. He wants you to continue to practice the lie. He wants to create so much distance from you and God that you think this is a myth, you think it's legend, and it's not. The simplest, most logical explanation is that Christ rose and it was bodily. He wasn't taken by authorities. It wasn't swooned theory. He wasn't stolen by the disciples. He was, it's simply this, he was risen from the dead. Christ was risen. There is this, I, yes, amen, there's this thing in the, I just, this got to me when I was leading them. Um, right here, I want to read this for, me, for you. What heart could fathom such boundless grace? When I read that line, we were singing it. I had a lot of trouble concentrating because that was running through my head. It was running through my head over and over that all of this was for us. I'm going to pray in a second, and I want to pray for believers, and I want to pray for non-believers. And it ties in to not only the triumphal entry and all the events that happened through this beautiful week of passion, but to the crucifixion and the resurrection. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, for believers, Lord, we celebrate. We celebrate. Father, the resurrection, it means everything to to us because now it's real. Everything you said you were, you are. Everything you said you were going to do, you did. You validated everything. It's all real. No matter what this world believes, no matter what other alternatives or theories, or conspiracies they come up with, it all comes back down to the simplest, most logical explanation, and that is you, Christ, risen from the dead. Father, I pray for the believers now, Lord, to continue to concentrate, Lord, on this great act of love, this great act of love, Father, that you performed up on that cross, what you executed for us there, Lord. We can't fathom that grace. We will never fathom or understand this kind of love but you still give it to us even when we're undeserving. Father, as believers, we just want to thank you. We want to praise you and glorify you for being who you are, loving us first. You came down from heaven. You sought us out. You searched for us, and now we are found in you, so we praise the name of Jesus. Lord, for non-believers today, this may be the first time, Lord, they've heard this Maybe a seed's already been planted, Lord. You know who you're working on. And I just ask right now for all those people here that are on the fence, they're not sure about this whole Jesus, I want to say a prayer, and I want you to repeat after me. You can just pray right there in your seats in quiet. I want you to pray something like this. Heavenly Father, I know now that you sent your Son to this earth 
to die on a cross to forgive me for my sins, Father. I know you sent him, and I believe it, Father. I also believe that Jesus Christ rose on the third day, proving everything true and everything real, establishing the Christian faith. And the object of that faith is you, Jesus. Right now, I want to invite you into my heart and ask you to rescue me, to be my Savior. I want you to come into my heart, come into my life, change me, make me a new creation. I don't want to look at the old. Father, I want to focus on the new. I'm asking you this morning to be my Savior. I hope you prayed that. Because the death and the resurrection of Christ was to secure your salvation, people. Father God, we love you. We are so grateful. It is finished. You said it is finished. The work of the cross finished it all. Death is defeated. We do not have to be afraid of what death brings because you've defeated it, Lord. I pray that we all take that to heart and understand what this day actually means, this true day, Father. Father God, we love you and we thank you for all you do, your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.